All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Hey everybody, welcome to a Friday episode of Dropping the Gloves. Tim is here. I am here. We're here to entertain you. Looks like the gladiators did back in the day, Tim. Do you feel like a gladiator today? That's Doing exactly what I'm going for. You? Yes. To entertain and inform. And inform. Well, one of the ways people inform these days is through Twitter. It's the new stream. It's the new way to get news out there, information. It's the hot way to spew stuff, whether it's fact or fiction. Who knows that? If it's on the internet, it has to be true. That's the way everyone thinks these days. Well, there's some news, Tim. Jack Eichel has joined Twitter, and he's coming hot and heavy. How many characters can you use on Twitter? 140. No, it's more now. It's more. 280. It's a lot of know. characters. So Jack, with all these characters, all these options, he could have just really hit everybody hard. How are you feeling, Jack? You haven't made any comments lately. You've been using your agents to talk. What are you going to say, Jack? And he posts an emoji. How would you describe this emoji? Because I don't have good eyes. I don't deal with emojis very much. What is this emoji, Tim, that Jack Eichel just posted on August 19th, 2021 at 2.29 p.m. for his first official tweet of his life that we know about? If I were to describe this emoji, I would say it's a sad face. That's what it is. Or like an upset because it's not a I think it's more of an upset. It's not like a super duper frown, like a uh, maybe. I don't know. That's Wait, what I mean I'm with gonna... emojis. I'm going to reply and see, because it'll tell you like what the, oh, here it is. Unamused face. That's what it is. So Jack Eichel's first tweet at 2.30 on a Friday afternoon is unamused. What does that mean, Tim? Why is Jack Eichel unamused? Now, let's take this one emoji and run with it. And let's, <laughs> let's unpack crazy. it. Let's unpack Jack's, his feelings right now. He's unamused. Did he watch a funny movie and it didn't hit the mark? Yeah. Is, is he listening to a joke? And he's Did he drop laughing? his ice cream crone on the ground and it's everywhere? There's, or is he sending a subtle message to the Buffalo Sabres insinuating he's not amused with the current situation of his salary or not his salary, his, his status on the team? He wants to be traded or he wants back surgery. 
What do you think it is, Tim? Let's really talk about this emoji. <laughs> I have I have two thoughts on this. One is that maybe he just I don't know what prompted the tweet now. If it is seriously about his relationship with the Sabres and the trade, non-trade, surgery, non-surgery, if it's about that, then obviously something had to have prompted him. So maybe he just got off the call with the GM or the or the Pagulas or something, or maybe he just left a meeting with them and he wasn't he was unamused with how it went. Uh, or most likely this is just a simple troll job. He's just, he knows exactly what he's doing. He's, these kids are plugged into social media. He knows exactly that it's going to send the hockey world into a frenzy. If he sends that smiley face. So that's what he did. And he's just having a laugh right now. My take is I hate this. I don't like it. He should keep his mouth shut. I know people don't like me being an old grandpa fuddy duddy. That's just my initial take. And that's, that's just who I am. It's like, shut your mouth and just be quiet. If you have something to say, do an interview, state your case. Don't do these like little games where it's like, Ooh, I wonder if I'm upset. Let's, let's like light a fire. Let's cause the controversy. It's like, just either go away and let the situation rectify itself or not. At the end of the day, Jack Eichel is a Buffalo Sabre. He is under contract with the Buffalo Sabres for a long time. You signed the deal. You sealed your fate. You've asked for a trade. Everybody knows it. If they don't trade you, go play for Buffalo. That's it. This is what, this is what it means to be a professional athlete. They control your body as, as shrewd or as black and white, as cutthroat as that sounds. They control whether you have surgery or not. So if they don't want you to have surgery, guess what? You're not having surgery. If they don't want to trade you, guess what? They don't have to trade you. You can piss and moan. You can do whatever you want. You are a Buffalo Sabre. That's the commitment that you made when you signed your name at the bottom of that massive contract that you just signed a couple of years ago. So instead of being a little child and creating a Twitter account and saying, I'm unamused, be a man, suck it up and figure out what you got to do. Put your big boy pants on. They're probably really expensive because of the Brinks truck that gets backed up to your house every two weeks. And they drop off that massive check worth hundreds of thousands of dollars and figure out your life. No one wants to see an unamused face. No one wants to know that multi-multi-millionaire Jack Eichel, who signed a commitment to the Buffalo Sabres, is unamused with his situation. You know what I'm unamused with? Your attitude. If you don't like the Buffalo Sabres, deal with it. Walk into Kevin Adams' door, say, hey, Kevin, not liking it here. This is what I would like the team to go. If it's not going that way, I would really appreciate it if you would trade me. That's, that's the conversation. Don't get your agents involved. Don't get anybody else involved. Close the door, go on your way. When you do this, it devalues you. You're not going to get the kind of return that you're going to get, which makes it even harder to trade you. You're making it harder to go somewhere else. If that's your end game, getting your agents to air your injury in the public is making it harder for you to go somewhere else. Doing these little passive aggressive tweets that you're doing now is making it harder for you to go somewhere else because the GM's seeing that and they're going, ugh. This kid might be an issue. Maybe we're not going to trade for him anymore. And you're seeing all these teams who were interested at one point. They're like, you know what? Maybe we don't want ourselves some Jack Eichel. I don't know. I am a funny duddy. I don't care. I think this is childish and I don't like it. Tim, you probably love it. You probably just, this is, this is right up your alley. I, I like the entertainment value, but no, if it, if it is seriously about the Sabres and stuff, and it's not just like a, a troll job, which I think it is, then yeah, it's kind of lame, but I don't know. I mean, go, going back to the part about like, the team uh, not owning your body, but basically telling you when and when you can't get surgery, all that. Like, I know you never had any major 
injuries, but did you have ever had anything where you, where the team or the trainer would tell you to do one thing that you just totally disagreed with and, and either argued back or did it reluctantly or whatever, or you always, well, you have to do what they prescribe, whether it's a cold, whether it's a high ankle sprain, whether it's a broken nose, I didn't really want to get nose surgery, but they lined it up and I did it. I knew I was going to break my nose the very next time I stepped on the ice, most likely. And sure enough, I had my nose surgery, went back, broke it right away. I'm like, great. I I just had a very painful uh, rhinoplasty. Everything was great. Um, Tons of time to heal for that. Like you can't just get rhinoplasty, just jump right back into the thick of things. And then I broke it right away. So they do control your body. I know it's a strange thing to say. The only way they don't is if you retire. They bought you. Like, this is how it works. Like, you signed the paper. You are a professional athlete. You play for the Buffalo Sabres. And that's the end-all, be-all. Yes, you're allowed a second opinion. But at the end of the day, they can take your second opinion's advice or they don't have to. So this is the way it works. Like Jack doesn't necessarily have to do what Buffalo wants him to do, but then you get into the whole breach of contract. There's a whole lot, big gray area. There's just a lot of stuff that they have to do in order to get their way. So it's um, even if he's doing this as a troll job, like you think, what's the point? What's the win factor for trolling Buffalo? What is it? We talked to Dylan cousins last, last week it's it's a bad situation in Buffalo. This is only making it worse. And the season's around the corner. Like we're drastically approaching training camp. Like we're dropping the gloves. We're gearing up. We're doing prospects camps here in Traverse City. We're going to talk to the all the Red Wings and young guys and all these other teams. It's going to be great. Jack Eichel's going to have to walk into that rink. Like this isn't making it easier. Like I just don't understand what the end game is here. Like, you know what I mean? Is he just not going to show up in Buffalo and forfeit his $10 million salary? I don't think he's doing that. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. I agree with what you're saying. The only point I'll just go back on is that he's not trolling Buffalo. He's just trolling hockey Twitter because he knows he can do something like that. Just a little mysterious emoji. And then hockey Twitter right now is literally like everyone's running around in all directions with their head cut off trying to figure out what it means or making jokes about it. And He's just—he's probably watching it from his couch right now, having a laugh. That's no way. I think it There's is no way. This—this this is not a troll job. This is him sending a message. Even if he is doing that, you're still sending a message to the Sabers. You don't think Kevin Adams is on the phone with Terry Pagulu? Is on the phone with his assistant GM? Is on the phone with his scouts? Like, saying, why is Jack doing this? What? Like, on the phone with Jack agent, Jack's agents, being like, "What the hell is this kid doing? Why is he doing this? It's unneeded attention to the situation." It's putting gas on an already massive tire fire. That is the Buffalo Sabres right now with Jack Eichel. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. Give the C to Dylan Cousins and move on from Jack Eichel. The kid's just, he's digging his own grave right now. People of Buffalo do not like this. I guarantee you that. You talk to anybody in Buffalo, they're like, this kid, he's full of himself at this point. He is losing his his charm, his status in Buffalo because people loved him in Buffalo. And this whole situation, it's not a good look. Not, and I'm from the Buffalo area. I grew up right across the river. We would go to Buffalo all the time as kids to catch the games. We used to, we used to watch them all the time. This is not a Buffalo type of move. I don't like it. Any other comments on the one emoji unamused face? No, but I'm excited to dig into the next topic, which I think might just enrage you just as much. Well, it's just doesn't make sense to me. I, that, that's why you should not have social media if you're a current player. Bad idea. Nothing good comes from it. Nothing good at all. You you give me 
one instance where someone does something good. And I'll give you like 10 instances where it just blows up in somebody's face. It just, yes, you can. Good can be derived from evil, but it's very rare when it comes to a pro athlete with a Twitter account, it always ends up bad. Whether it's, you think it's your ghost account, whether you like a tweet, whether you, someone writes something to, it's just a bad idea. That's a bad idea. You know what else is a bad idea? What? Do you get, you don't answer questions anymore. You just sit there. Sometimes you, sometimes you pause for me. Sometimes you don't. And, and I end up interrupting you because you keep talking. So I'm it just... wasn't a pause for effect. It was not a rhetorical question. It was an actual question. Do you know I'm what trying else to figure you out? And I can't do it. I'm an enigma wrapped in a something else. I don't even know. Ads on jerseys are here. They are here. And they are going to start in 22, 23. What did I say to you last year when they put ads on helmets? What did I say? You want me to speak now? Yeah. yeah. You said this is just the beginning. This is where it starts. It's the tip of the iceberg, baby. And it's going to trickle down from here. This is just the beginning. Look at, oh my, guess what? We're going to have ads on the jerseys. Oh, they'll never put ads on the jerseys. Gary Bettman. His exact words six years ago, and I'm quoting Gary Bettman right now. He said in 2015, I'm in no rush to put advertising on our sweaters. I like the history and tradition and the way they look. I've repeatedly said we wouldn't be the first, and you'd probably have to bring me kicking and screaming. Is Gary kicking and screaming this morning or today? Is he, Tim? Have you seen any pictures, any news of Gary with black eyes? I ran into Gary this morning. He was not kicking and screaming. So no, nope. probably heading to the bank, cashing that check of all the sponsors who he's going to get because he's going to be rolling in the dough, baby. What, what is next? Okay. Helmet check. Jerseys check. Pants are next. I'm calling it here. There'll be jer- advertisements on the pants in the next five years. It's, it's ha- it slowly happens like this. They like the money. They like their revenue stream. Why not put ads on the pants? Ads on the jerseys were completely not. This is never going to happen 10 years ago. Then they put them on the practice jerseys. Then, then we got ads on the helmets. Then they started doing in the AHL. The ads on the pants will be next. I you know, guarantee it. Then there'll be ads on the goalposts. Then there'll be ads everywhere on that rink. And it'll be just like a European game where they have ads everywhere. And it'll be a complete circus. It's going to be terrible. Oh, those European jerseys are just abysmal. I hope it doesn't get that far. And I wonder, too, like, do you think they're going to have some kind of restrictions around how many different brands can advertise on one team's? Like, can you have one brand on the helmet and a different brand on the pants and a different brand, like, on the, on the jersey? And all of a sudden, it's like all these colors in every direction and all these just mishmash of just junk. It's, I hope that's not the case. I hope they at least stay consistent where like a team can spot or a brand can sponsor an entire team. And there's like a look and feel, and maybe it's worked into the design a little bit, as opposed to like these guys that look like walking billboards. It's all about the, it's it, Tim. It's all about the money. And I think everybody knows that everybody realizes that this is all because of COVID, you know, we need to, we need to regenerate some money that we lost because we can't have fans in the stands. We can't, we can't do this. We can't do that. It, we need to recoup some of the money. This is all because of COVID. So when, when this whole COVID thing is done in a year or two, are they going to get rid of the ads on the helmets? Are they going to get rid of the ads on the jerseys? No, they're going to be there. Those are there forever. This is a forever thing. And it's just going to continue. If you're a company and you throw enough money at Gary Bettman, and this is how all the other leagues are doing this. The NBA has them on their jerseys. 
Um, the NFL, I don't know if they have ads or they just have maybe a cross the board marketing with Reebok or Nike or whatever. This will, no, to answer your question, I don't think they're going to have a, a look in mind when a company says, okay, McDonald's, you want to sponsor a team, maybe go to Nashville because they're yellow already, or maybe go here. We can incorporate. No, whoever has the most amount of money, that's the team that's going to get the deal. It would be great if they can incorporate it to the same color scheme, the same look, the same kind of thing, but it won't, it, it'll be whoever throws the most bag of money, most amount of cash at a team. They're, they're the ones who's going to get the deal. So when they started the helmet thing last year, uh, it was clear, earlier this year, it was clearly a response to COVID, right? Like they lost the revenue, made it up. It seemed like it was, I don't know, it, it was believable that it wasn't a permanent thing, that it was just a, an immediate reaction or response to the, the revenue loss. But like, how much can you really blame this on COVID? And I guess the bigger question is like, would they even have to sell ads in the first place if the league had done a better job promoting growing, selling the game itself over the past 5, 10, 20 years, whatever. Like, how did we get to this point where we needed this revenue all of a sudden? Well, it, it is because of COVID. I, I think that's a logical answer. I do think the NHL has done a good job of growing the game the last 10 years. I, I think hockey's in a really good spot. I think when you look at it compared to all the other sports, baseball's in a dramatic decline. Their viewership, their ratings have just been plummeting over the last five to 10 years. That's just because of the way people consume things nowadays. They, they consume in small clips. They don't want to sit through a whole long baseball game. Football is the same thing, that they've been in a not a huge decline, but their ratings and viewership has been declining too. And hockey's the only one, really. Well, basketball's been doing well. They've been increasing their numbers, which, which is good. And, and I think hockey is you know trending in the right direction. COVID was a huge hit. Um, but... Yeah, I do think the ads on the jerseys and the, and the helmets is a direct correlation with the COVID. But once COVID goes away, I think they're going to like the money. They're going to like the additional revenue stream that they're going to have coming in. And they're going to continue to do it. Once you you feed a wolf, like, we'll give you one sheep from the flock, wolf. But that's it. That's it. You only get one. You think the wolf's going to be like, you know what? Okay, fine. I'll take that one and leave. No, no, no. He's going to want two, three, four, five. Next thing you know, he's going to have the whole the whole fox gone. The wolf's going to eat them all. This is the owners. You give them one thing. It's like, well, gosh, I made 10 million bucks by putting a sticker on a helmet this year. Why don't I put something on the jersey? I'm going to make 20 million bucks doing that. You know what? There's room on the pants. There's room on the back of the pants. Let's let's put stuff everywhere. Let's put holograms on the ice when they're playing. Like there, There's so much that, that you only pick up on TV. You don't see them on the ice. There, there's so many ways to put advertisements everywhere and owners are just going to start benefiting from this. Once you give them an inch, you, you can't take that away. It's not like, okay, we're here. Give us that money back. There's no more ads in the helmet. They bake that into their books. That's just like an expected asset the, 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 the year. So I, I don't know. People might think it's a little deal like, oh, it's just a little advertisement. Not, it's not going to affect anything. It will. And it will slowly snowball and it'll get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And it's, it just takes away from the game. It takes away from the acts, the tradition of it. The Jersey should just be the team. You're playing for the team. You shouldn't be distracted. When I look at a Jersey, I just want to see the the Boston Bruins logo. I don't want to be distracted by Dunkin' Donuts. You know what I mean? For me, it cheapens the Jersey. I just don't want to see that. I want to see the Bruins logo and I want to see the number on the back. I don't want to be distracted by the advertisements. But that's, I, I just think that's, I'm a traditionalist. I just like that. 
Yeah, Busacross had a good tweet the other day. We were talking about, it's like, we're going to see in five years Wayne Gretzky, I mean, sorry, Ovechkin breaking Gretzky's record and, like, celebrating in a big jersey with, like, with, like Discover card across, like, everywhere. And that that's going to be the picture that's, like, hanging up in the Hall of Fame. You know what it's I mean? It's sad, right? Yeah. It, it, it just, it takes away, devalues just a team. It's like, are you playing for the team or are you, are you playing for your sponsor? And that's, you see it all over when, like, these individual athletes, whether it's tennis or uh, fighting or whatever, skiing, whenever they win a race, they they take put their skis up or they they make sure the water bottles are they're showing off their sponsor. The UFC guy puts the shirt on right away. It's like, oh, I'm sponsored by Monster. Shout out to my sponsor. It's like, is that all we're about anymore is money? Money, money, money. That's all everyone's driven by. It's like, yes, money is great, but do it for the team, man. Do it for yourself. When Peyton Manning won the Super Bowl and brings in, he the first guy he hugs is Papa John. Right. That. Yes. It's just, I don't know. Do you, think get it. do you think there's any chance that some teams and some owners do this and some don't? I hope some owners will stand their ground. Did anybody not do the ads on the helmets? I can't think of any. I don't remember. So I know all the major markets did. I, I think everybody had ads on their helmets. I think everyone's going to do it. Why not? If, if I'm an owner and I can just sew a patch on my jersey and get a, a ton of dough, I'm doing that. I'm going to have an ad person for my home jerseys. I'm going to have an ad person for my away jerseys. I'm going to have a logo for my third jerseys. Much like our podcast, we do these like um, our pound per pound series. We're trying to get a sponsor for that. You know, I, I get it. Everyone's money driven. But at the end of the day, it's like are you, you're tarnishing tradition. Like you're, you're, you're ruining something that's an institution. It's like the Toronto Maple Leafs and you're going to throw Scotiabank in the corner. You know what I mean? It just ruins it. It ruins the whole look for me. And no, it'll ruin jersey sales a little bit. I don't think people are going to want those on their jerseys. So I wonder if they do replicate them, if they have to put that ad on them or they just won't do it. That's an interesting question. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But yeah, Gary looks like a fool. He just looks like an absolute fool. Like saying those comments a few years ago, like kicking and screaming, didn't even blink an eye. Oh, jerseys. Yeah, we're going to do that right away. The NBA do it, did it. Okay. Yeah, we're going to do that too. He'll never be the first. But he follows. He's such a follower. He, and he said it in his quote. He's like, we probably won't be the first. Then we won't get any of the blame, but we'll be the second. Oh, you better believe we'll be the second. It's like, okay, Gary, yep. Ride somebody else's coattails, you little weasel. <laughs> uh, all right. So well, I got to thinking, I, I was, you know, I'm pre- preparing for my football draft and everyone, you know, you, I have keeper leagues. I have guys you want to keep. You want to draft rookies so you can keep them for two years. You want to, you know, have some foresight. And it got me thinking like, well, what NHL teams have have had foresight? Which NHL, NHL teams have had great drafts where their future looks so bright? And then it's like, well, let's not talk about prospects. Let's talk about NHL talent. Which teams today going into this season, they have the best group of young players because that's what you need to do to win these days. You need to get good young players who can come in and contribute right away, lock them up to a good reasonable contract. That way you can supplement their talent with good older talent because you're going to have to pay them too. And you can have a good balance. All of the recent Stanley cup champions, you look up and down their lineups, you're getting um, contributions from the young guys. You have older guys who are signed. There's a good balance. You never see these days, a team who's just, top heavy superstars who are winning without having that good young talent. I'm thinking of the Pittsburghs. I'm thinking of the Chicago's I'm thinking of those teams who were successful, but not anymore because they have those massive contracts and they don't have much good young talent to kind of supplement those high end contracts. You have to have a good balance. So it just got me thinking and Tim, you were there too. It's like, who are the best teams 
that have a good core and a core, I think 25 years and under, that's a good age. I think hockey players hit their prime between 25 and 29. That's where they're really, you know, they've, they figured things out. They got a few years under their belt. If you're coming to the league at 18, gosh, you already have seven years under your belt and you're just hitting your prime. Some guys hit it younger. Some guys hit it older, but I think 25 is a good time. So I just, who has the best core and Tim, you, you, put together a pretty impressive list. Let's just break down a few of them. Let's go over who's got the best cores. You think who's got the worst cores, who's kind of in the middle and is where each team is at. Yeah. Well, I'll start off with the Oilers. Um, they got McDavid and dry subtle, obviously. And then Jesse Pugliarvi under 25 too. And other than that, they're not that deep there, but those first two guys are just so, so talented. They, they carry the weight of having one of the best cores 25 and under just because of the, the talent, the, the pedigree of those two. Yeah, it, it, does that even count though? It's like Dryden Seidel's twenty five, McDavid's turning twenty five. I, I get that they they still count, but if you take those two away, Edmonton's absolute trash. They have absolutely yeah. nobody. Everyone on their back end is twenty five years and older, except for Evan Bouchard, who he's okay. Like they really are struggling. Their goaltenders are fifty two, I think, and forty seven. <laughs> like they they don't have any good young talent in this team. The only young defenseman they had, they traded away in Ethan Bear. So yep. he, maybe there's a little asterisk when you have the best player in the planet and he's twenty four years old. That'll obviously put you, you know, in this category always. But if I'm picking a core group of young players, Edmonton is not it. They're definitely not it. Their top players. I don't know. I, I, it's not it for me. But yes, Edmonton is definitely, I guess I, you got to put them in the plus category just because of those two guys. But next year, they're at the bottom of this list. The absolute <laughs> bottom of this list. Right. Uh, next down the line, the Canucks, the big three there, Brock Besser, who's still, he's only 24, I think. It's crazy. Uh, Pedersen and Quinn Hughes. That's, that's, that's quite the a amazing there. thing. That's the amazing thing when you look at, yeah, Brock Besser. He's been in the league. Sorry, were you talking still? Nope. <laughs> I feel like I cut you off way too many times. And no, no, no. Oh, you're, good. you're probably just about to spew magic and I just cut you off. It's the cool thing. We talked about Pedersen. He's still an RFA, still no contract signed. We'll see how that situation ends up. Hopefully you sign soon. But yeah, Besser's been in the league for a thousand years. He's only 24. They have a decent, they just traded for Connor Garland from Phoenix. He falls under this category. He's 25. He's a good young player. And they got some decent parts. Nothing, obviously Quinn Hughes, I think he's the diamond in the rough here. If he is, you know, rough at all, he, he's such a good young player. He's going to be the stalwart of their back end. If you look at Vancouver's back end right now, if they can figure it out and kind of get over the terrible season that they had last year, they got Ekman Larson. If he can revert back to his form of even three or four years ago, he's a 1A defenseman. You got Tyler Myers, Travis Hominick, who he's 31. He's only 31 years old. It feels like he's been in the league for a thousand years. Then you got Quinn Hughes, Luke Shen, who can, you know, throw the body around. He's still a serviceable player. And Tucker Pullman, who's a good player. They have a good, good starting six. So if they can figure it out, they have a really good forward group. They all lost their starting goaltender last year, but they still have Thatcher Demko, who played really, really good. I don't know. And then they got Yurosov Halak. I think if you're looking for a team to have a turnaround season, I know we talked about the San Jose Sharks because we had Mario Ferrara on. Vancouver, who had such high expectations last year, they're going to they're gonna make some noise this coming season. I have a feeling they have a good team. Maybe that year last year was just, you know, COVID. They got hit hard. It was just a bad year for them. I think Vancouver is going to turn some heads this coming season. 
I hope that's so. just my prediction. That's my prediction. You like yourself some <clears throat> Vancouver Canucks. I know that, Tim. You love you know I do. Pedersen. You you love him. You absolutely he, love might, him. he might be my favorite non-Bruin. He is. I well, let's him. go to a team that I think might have the best young core in the whole NHL. And this doesn't include prospects because if we're doing prospects, there's there's a whole other ball of wax that we can get on. Like the LA Kings are in this category. The Detroit Red Wings are in this category. But when you're just looking at young talent who is contributing to your team, and I just was touching on teams with top-heavy guys, and this team has a lot of top-heavy talent, but a team like the Chicago Blackhawks. And I know you, you think of the Blackhawks, you think of Kane, you think of Taves, you think of Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook. Well, Keith and Seabrook are gone. Yeah, Kane and Taves are still there. They're still valuable pieces. You got Alex Dabrinkit. You got Dominic Kublik. You got Dylan Strom, you got Hagel, you got Bjorkstrom, you got Gaudet, you got Kirby Doc, you got Anthony Nylander, you got all these young, good players who are just coming into their own. And I have a feeling this season they're all going to figure it out. We know Debrinket is a point per guy game. We know Kirby Doc obviously had injuries his first season. He's going to be a stud this year. We know what Dominic Kubla can do. Dylan Strom is a, a sneaky first line guy who can throw him on the third line. He's going to get you at least 30, 40, 50 points. I like the Chicago Blackhawks. I really do. You throw in there, Marc-Andre Fleury, their decor, questions, you know, question marks. You have Seth Jones. You gave him the boatload of money, overpaid, rightfully so. You got Kelvin DeHaan, who's okay. I, I'm just going through teams. I'm getting off base, but I yeah. like their young group. What do you think about Chicago? Uh, Alex Dabrinka is 23 years old. Isn't that crazy? I thought he was like 26, 27 at this point. He's already got four seasons under his belt. He's already had a 41 goal season. He's got 119 goals in the National League. Like this guy is an absolute stud. And he's 23 years old. It's crazy to think about. Um, and we talked about the Blackhawks in the recent, like this summer. They're obviously, I, I like them a lot. They got one of the best young cores. And I think most of those guys you mentioned were 25 and under, right? Yeah, and I think you're going to see that more often than not. He came in as an 18-year-old player and played 82 games. Like, this is the new normal where you don't really have to pay your dues. There's no, like, old-school mentality of, like, ah, you know, we're going to play the grizzled vets and you guys got to to work for it. No, they're going to give them first-line minutes right when they come out of juniors or college, and we're going to see what they got. This is the new normal. That's why I said a few months ago where 1,000 games is not what it used to be anymore. I think you will see people surpassing 1,000 games pretty routine now. It's going to come – just so often every month there's going to be five, six, seven guys in, you know, five years, you'll see that a thousand games is not anything. It's going to be 1500 is going to be the new mark to hit. Then it's going to be 2000 games because players take care of their bodies. They start them off at 18 years old. If you get 80 games a season that it doesn't take long to get to a thousand games. When you start at 18 years old, once you hit 25, 26, you're already looking at, you're pushing 800, 900 games. So that being said, to bring it stud player, I don't think he's missed any time because of injury. He's just a very reliable player. Just mark him down. You can permanent marker. He's got at least 75 points every year from, the, from now until he's 30 years old. He's that good of a player. Oh, Tim, I'm hungry. Are you hungry? Starving. Should we go to the restaurant? There's a ton of traffic. Yeah, no, thank you. Oh, what should we do? You know what? I can't even drive, John. We'll we find another option. Oh, you know what I've heard of? It's DoorDash. Let's get some food. You know what? Let's pull up our phone. We'll get the app. We'll get some DoorDash. And you know what? This goes for all our listeners too. If you guys want to get some food right now with Tim and I, pull out your DoorDash app, scroll around, look up a restaurant in your area. There's millions of them. Don't worry. It's not even going to be an issue. And it's going to be great. You can thank me later. Go to DoorDash. You're welcome. All right. Who else do we got, Tim? 
Uh, the next team that I'm really excited about is the Colorado Avalanche. Um, and funny enough, they're I think I think they're the youngest team in the whole league. If you average all their NHL starters, if they're not the youngest, they're in the top five. And under 25 or 25 and under, Nathan McKinnon, Rantanen, Kale McCarr, Sam Gerrard, and Byram are all 25 and under, which is just absolutely insane. Nathan McKinnon is 24. Like, my goodness, it is crazy. And their and their other core is still pretty young. Like Landeskog's twenty eight. I don't have the team in front of me now, but they, you know this is a good, good, good team. So this is a lot of fun to watch. The reason their average age ticked up a little bit because they signed Darren Helm this offseason, and he's thirty four. <laughs> yeah, but I know every other. That's guy's, not even that old. No, but he's he's the grizzled vet on that team. Like Nazim Kadri is the only guy who's in his thirties in the forward end, and he's thirty. So where they're super young is on the back end. Like you think their forwards are young. When you look at their back end, McCarr's 22, Gerard's 27, Taves and Murray are both 20. Oh, sorry. Gerard's 23. Those two next guys are 27. Everyone's super young. You have Eric Johnson who they are, they desperately want to get rid of this guy, but they just can't get rid of him at all. He's 33, but they are just a young team. They Joe Sackick, he he works some magic getting these guys under these contracts for that long a term. And to keep them, even this offseason, getting Kale McCarr to sign for $9 million for that long, in five years, that contract's going to look super good for the Colorado Avalanche because the salary cap's going to be up to $100 million bucks. Defensemen are going to getting $10, $11, $12 million, and he's going to be sitting there at a $9 million contract until 26, 27. So good on Joe Sackick, good on the Colorado Avalanche. They, they are primed. For, if they don't win a Stanley Cup, Tim, in the next three years, is this are they the biggest failure in NHL history? <laughs> Honestly, uh, yeah, I can't make statements like that. But yeah, this is cup or bust every single year for the next three to five years. They have to be, and they they've got to win one. I mean, they have, they can't get out of the second round though, right? Yeah, what they, other they, team can you think of that has had this much, this many expectations? They they're literally been a Stanley Cup contender for the last two years now, if not three. If they don't win a cup, they they have to be considered one of the biggest choke artists in any. They are the. I'm trying to think of another team who hasn't. The won. Capitals were that team for a decade, but they won it. Um, right. So is Tampa was for a few years. Vegas maybe is right there. Yeah, Vegas could be there, but I, I arguably think that Avalanche have a better core than Vegas. They have the superstars. It's uh, it's not a good look if they don't win a cup, I, I'm going to give them two or three years. If that they, they're going to be the choke artists of the century. Nathan McKinnon is going to go down as maybe the biggest disappointment. You got to win a cup. You got to win a cup. You do. Yeah. I'm sorry. He's 24 helps. years old. He's 24. Well, you look at a guy like Jumbo. Has he ever been on a team that's had such as high expectations as the Colorado Avalanche? Has Jumbo ever been on a team where it's like, yes, you are the Stanley Cup champions. Yes. Which, they which won team? multiple president's trophies and the Sharks. Yeah, but I, I, were they ever the they, Stanley Cup? Yeah, you know, well, I don't know. I, I, yeah, you know, they were the team. They were the preseason team. favorites, maybe, maybe. Well, we'll see how it turns. They they could win, rip off three in a row, and then we can just burn this tape and never listen to it again. <laughs> All right, who else I don't you got? Anyway, yeah. uh, I'm going to go through a couple of quick ones. The Stars have a good young core: Rupi Hint, Skuriana, Robertson, who was a finalist for the Calder last year, and Miro Heiskanen, which, in my opinion, maybe only McCarr is a better young defenseman than him. Wow. Uh, um, the Jets: Kyle Connor is still only 23 years old, which is absolutely crazy. Or maybe 24, but uh, Dubois is 23. Ehlers is still young, too. I think he's 24. Uh, Blue Jackets have Line, Roslovic, Rowensky is still so young. And Boquist, I, I threw him in there because we've talked about him. I like him. Uh, but the team I want to talk about is the New Jersey Devils. So the 25 and under crew among their, like, I would say their star players, 
the captain, Nico Hershier, is only gosh, is he's he's 22. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. Pavel Zaka, Ty Smith, that young defenseman we talked about with Ryan Graves, and Mackenzie Blackwood, their goalie. But what's crazy, John, is the average age of their offense is 23.6 years old. And the only reason that it's even that high is because last week they signed Thomas Tatar, who's 30 years old. And they have another player, Andreas Johnson, who's 26 years old. So really, if you take those two guys out, their entire offense average age is about 22, which is absolutely bonkers. Yeah, and the same goes for the back end. Their their average age is 26. They got P.K. Subban, who's pushing it up at 32. And, you know, there, there's a it's great to be young. It's great to have that youthful exuberance. You know, this, the sky's the limit. You don't really know right from wrong. There's something to be said about having some veterans in there to help mold these young guys. And I do enjoy, I like to see what Dallas is doing. They need to get some veteran presence on, on the front end. You, you can't tell me Thomas Tatar is going to come in and mold these young guys and teach them how to be champions and teach them how to be a winner. They need to go out and get something. I'm sorry, Nico Hishire. He's not the guy who's going to, you know, lead this team to a championship. He he's just not. You think PK is going to be the guy? Dougie Hamilton, do you think he has that personality to rally the boys like let's go we're going to go out and win this one for the for the Gipper? I don't think they have that in New Jersey and they it's sorely needed because they have some good talent. They have the pieces that they that they need. But you need to you know, supplement that with some veteran guys. Go out and get some guys who have been through some playoff battles who can kind of teach these guys what it takes. And people say, oh, yeah, you know, that that doesn't mean anything. Anybody can win. No, you need that. You definitely need that. And I think it's it's lacking here. Jonathan Bernier probably is the voice in that locker room now who's going to hold the most weight. And you can't have your goaltender being the most vocal guy in the locker room. When he's starting, he's not going to say a word. So it's just uh, – it's a good team. But you need to have some veteran presence. And yeah, it's fun to say we're the youngest team in the NHL. Yeah, it's not gonna it's not gonna take you very far, New Jersey. I'm sorry. You have to go out and make some noise. That's when they had Paul Mary and Zajac. That was great because they could kind of teach these young kids how to win, how to do some stuff. But I don't know. I don't know. It's all fun and games until you, you know, you don't get out of the first round or make the playoffs at all. And that's what's gonna happen if you don't have those guys, you know, when when the going gets tough, you gotta find somebody who's gonna drag you into the battle. And I don't think they have that. At this point, who else we got, Tim? Want to touch on the Rangers? Yeah, I don't like Kako or <laughs> Lafreniere. I don't. They had such high expectations. The, the young players that they have, I like Fox. So obviously, he's he's like he's lights out. He's so good. I like the young goalie. They have some good pieces, Keandre Miller and Chittle. They're, they're the Rangers are good. They're they're going to be set up for a long time because they do have that supplemental offense. They have Panarin. They have Zabinajad. They got some guys who can carry the luggage while these young guys figure it out. I, I do hope Kako and Lafreniere figure it out and they do take that next step because Lafreniere, like coming in last year, he was supposed to be the next guy. You know, six wine, 200 and some pounds. He's a beast. He's got sick hands. He's got vision. He can do it all. Score, dish, play the physical game. You're not going to get him off his game. And he just, he had an average season. He was, he was, you know, and then Kako, I, I, has he had a good season yet? No. No, not less, less than ideal, Capo Kako. So these two need to figure it out or they need to be dealt because they still have some value now. Some GM will jump on them and try to resurrect their talent and career. You know, they scouted them before the draft. They still think they got the it factor. But, you know, the clock is ticking on these two. You can't just hold on to them and hopefully they they turn around. But in that vein, you don't want to be the GM who trades them. Then they turn out to be a superstar. 
Right. It's like, oopsie, you know, I should, I should have held on to him for one more year. All right, let's do a couple more, Tim. Yeah, let's jump down to the wings. I really like the score. I think arguably this might be one of the best ones, if not the best. So Dylan Larkin's still only 25 years old. They got these all these young prospects who were just, I think last year for the first time, are really like full-time NHLers, Phil Zadina, uh, um, Ronick. They got these other guys like Rasmussen. And then they got, obviously, they traded – um, what's his face to the Capitals last year and got Jacob Rana back, who is I think is going to be a stud for these guys. Robbie Fabry is super underrated. He's still young. That Nedeljkovic guy, the goalie. Yeah, I mean he's he he could be the best goalie in the league in a year or two, and they got him for basically nothing. And then I am going to throw Cider in there, even though he hasn't played the NHL games yet. We're not talking about prospect, but he's a lock to make that roster. He's a friend of the show. I think he's uh, I know he he's maybe. Fourth or fifth, I think, in in the Vegas odds to win the Calder this year. I think that's too low. So, yeah, I think the Red Wings have a lot to be excited about for the first time in a while because it felt like they were stuck in no man's land for like six, seven, eight years. And now they finally have like this young core coming up together. Yeah, the guy they traded was Anthony Mantha. But yep. um, if we're, it's funny. If we do this show in three months, once the season's begun, the Red Wings will be the top of this list because other than more – other also – other than Moritz Sider, they have Philippe Larson right? and then Lucas Raymond. Both of these guys are just super, super good young prospects. Detroit's going to be dangerous in four years. You mark my word. They're going to lose a lot of bad contracts after this season. Eisenman's going to be smart with his money. He's going to be smart who he signs. They got Philip Larson. They got that Lucas Raymond. Like I said, that uh, Joel Valeno that yep. Sider was talking oh, about when he played against him over in Europe. He's good. He's such a good player. So their wings, they're high on this list with 25 and under for talent this year, you, let's do this show next year. They'll be number one. And it'll be amazing where the Detroit Red Wings are. The, the turnaround there is going to happen very fast because these guys are going to come in. They've been playing overseas. They've been playing in the NHL. They're very, very, very good players. I don't know. It's Stevie Eiserman. He he has something about him. He's got the look, man. He's a good-looking cat, and he knows what he's doing. They're, keep an eye on If you could bet futures right now for, like, Stanley Cup wins, I don't know if you can, I would bet on the wings – to win a Stanley Cup in the next five years. I really would. I think they're going to be, well, maybe seven years, maybe seven. They're gonna, I think they're five have a good years turnaround. they enter their, their, their powerhouse. They'll be a yeah. wagon. They're going to they're gonna be a very big wagon, <laughs> a massive wagon. All right, let's do one more positive, then we'll, we'll okay. do one more, then we'll move on to the a couple of negatives, Tim. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Florida Panthers. That's what I want to talk about. And if I were to ask you, like, yesterday, how old Alexander Barkov was, how, would you, how old would you say? 28. Yeah, he's 25 years old, which is just bonkers. He's entering a contract year, so he'll be a guy to watch for sure. But their core is Sam Reinhart, Sam Bennett, Barkov, Duclair, Aaron Ekblad, and Spencer Knight. All of these guys are 25 years old and younger. This is as good a young core as any. And I think Spencer Knight is probably the best young goalie prospect in the league, if not if not in the top three. So, yeah, this is a great, great group. Yeah, they're, they've, they're a good team. What can I say? Like Ekblad on the back end, he's he's – I don't think he gets the recognition that he deserves. He's just a good young defenseman. I don't think he ever has since he entered the league because he he just does his job. You know, he doesn't put up the flashy, gaudy numbers. He's just a good job. Same with Barkov. I'm excited to see what Jumbo does in this team. I want him to win a cup. So I don't think Florida wins a cup, but it'd be a great story. It uh, really is. All yeah. right, let's 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 go to the teams that maybe don't have such a good outlook. Teams that and and these are the teams that they either a have mortgaged their future in previous years to, to make Stanley cup pushes. Um, that's about it. Like that's the only reason why you shouldn't have good young players in your system is if you've won a bunch of Stanley cups in the last 10 years, 
because you were trading away your first round draft picks to get players at the deadline. That, that's the only reason why you should be on this list. And the first on the list, obviously, Pittsburgh Penguins. They have nobody, like zero. They have gone out every deadline, traded away their first rounder to try to maximize 80, 87 and 71's you know, prime. Why wouldn't you do that? Rutherford did a masterful job every single year surrounding Crosby, Malkin, Latang, Fleury, all these superstar players with players that they can play with to win them the Stanley Cup. And they did it. They won a bunch of Stanley Cups. And this is what you get when you have that much success. So rightfully so, Pittsburgh's on this list. The next on this list. And I had a hard time putting one on this list because we did include some teams like the Edmonton Oilers in the positive factor. But maybe Barzal and Beauvillier aren't in the same category as Dreinsidel and McDavid, but the Islanders. Other than Barzal and Beauvillier, they're garbage. What he's laughing at? Uh, just their, their names, the names that you're saying, those words. That's Who funny. am I? Is it not uh, Bo- Beauvillier? Beauvillier and yeah. Dry, Dreisaitl. Yeah. No N. Whatever. Who, Beauvillier. I, it is Beauvillier. what it is. Beauvillier. These... The Islanders, which which is a remarkable because they haven't had the well, they you know they've made the Eastern Conference Finals the last two years, but I would have thought with that kind of GM, with that kind of system, you know, network they have, they would have had some good young players. You know what I mean? They don't have anybody. They don't have any noticeable player other than Barzal, who is twenty twenty five or under. It, it was shocking to me. It really was. That was the one that really surprised me. All right, who do we got on the negative list, Tim? Who else is uh, as I was going so well. through this list to prepare for this, the Washington Capitals don't have a single defenseman in their 20s. <laughs> their youngest Wild. defenseman is 30 years old. Like that is the, I mean, okay, you they've they've won the cup. They they've mortgaged their future for these deep, you know, I get it, but that was like that's striking. That is that is striking. And you just got rid of Chara, who's over 40. <laughs> yeah, he's like 43. So, so yeah, to have Larson, Orlov, Schultz, Jan- Jansen, Kempney, Van Riemsdyk, and then Matt Irwin. All these guys are 30 plus, and you're not like, I don't know, they're not getting any younger. Yeah, they, they have not done well to manage their ages. I guess they pick up Anthony Mantha, they make them a little bit younger. And Mantha's 26, I want to say. But then you have guys that are aging. You know, you got Ovi, he's 35. You got Backstrom, he's 33. You got Oshie's 34. Kuznetsov's 29. You just had like Tom Wilson's 27, the type of game that he plays. He's done at 30. Like he's not going to be able to sustain what he does much longer. You got Lars Ellers, 32. Carl Hagelin's 32. Garnet Hathaway's 29. Connor Sheary's 29. Nick Dowd's 31. It's just an old group. They need to sell. They need to get rid of everybody. Start over again. You have some, you have no pieces. I was, I was trying to like find a light, you know, for this team. You have no pieces to build around. You have to go out and you have to tank, but you can't do that because you got Ovechkin. You wanted to beat Wayne Gretzky, whatever. But Washington, if I'm a fan, if I'm a GM, I, I know my, my hands are tied. I'm not going to be able to do anything. All right. This is the team, the next one where I think you and I disagree. And this might sting you a little bit. I think the Boston Bruins are in this category of a negative team. And you put them in the positive category. Now, why do you think that they're in the positive category? Just break it down for me. Convince me why Boston is on the good side of this 25 and under under crowd. I, I, Pasta, Pasternak and McAvoy are, 
good as two young under 25 players as that exist in this league. And it kind of goes back to like how, how good they are kind of make up for the fact they don't have as many Brandon Carlo, I think is one of the better young shutdown defensemen in this league. Not even young. I think he's one of the better shutdown defensemen, defensive defensemen in the league. He's only 24. And then DeBrusque, I, I threw him in. He's probably, yeah. that's, that's a weak argument. I know. I don't think he's even, I don't Who knows if he's even on the team, but he is under 25. He has, he's, he's had success in this league. I tossed him in there, but I, I definitely don't think they're on a negative either. Right? Worse. They're, they're in the middle. And then you put Trent Frederick on your list too, or no, no you just put all these guys who are under 25 just to try to make an argument. I didn't I put him on the list. They're not the worst of the worst teams, but they have pasta. They have McAvoy. That's good. But when you're looking at the Bruins, they don't have much depth. They, they really don't. Their whole, it's, it's a very old team. When you're banking on like, well, hopefully Trent Frederick can pick it up this year. And carry the load. It's like, you know what? It's it's not going to work. I, I don't think the Bruins are on the good side of this. And it's going to look worse and worse as the seasons move on because they don't really have much in the farm. They're banking on a young kid who didn't have a great season last year in the AHL to take over um, Krejci's second line. Studnicka, yeah. yeah. He, didn't, he wasn't much of a stud last year in the AHL. And they're, they're really hoping he just jumps in and is a second-line centerman in the NHL. And he wasn't that great in the AHL. I don't know. It's not a good look for the Boston Bruins. All right, one more. Let's just talk about the Calgary Flames. You know, I, they're so frustrating when you look at these Canadian teams. You want them to do good, and then they just hire these GMs who just don't know what you're doing, and they tie themselves to these horses. Yes, they have some young pieces, and the young pieces they do have, they throw controversy all over them. Matthew Kachuk, best player for Calgary. And they're the trade rumors. Why? Why would you do this? Trade Johnny Gaudreau. Trade Sean Monaghan. Trade Mikael Black Backman. Trade these guys. Don't trade the future of your team and Matthew Kachuk. I just don't get it. You hire a coach in Sutter. He goes out and signs these big clunky forwards to get up and down the ice and bang bodies because that's the way he likes to play. Let's get Blake Coleman, who's 29 years old, and sign him for a six-year deal. Does that make sense to you? Does that make any kind of sense to you? Oh, let's go and get some more big – let's get – Let's get some guys who can go and bang. That's what we need. That's what the NHL's. They're going to be a terrible team this year. I, I don't like it. I don't like this whole team. They're in the bottom of this list because the only guy who's really worth anything is Matthew Kachuk, and he's been tied to trade rumors for the last few years. I don't understand it. I don't like it. Calgary, <laughs> dumper. All right, what else we got, Tim? Any other news? Just the only other thing I'll talk about is that Austin Matthews was announced today that he's on the cover of NHL 22 which I think is a bad thing. He's been on the cover already two years ago. I don't really understand the point of having him on again when there's so many young players that like that are marketable guys. Like, yeah, I get that Matthews is on the Maple Leafs. He's, he's a Toronto guy. He's from the U.S. So you kind of have that mixed appeal. He's a marketable guy, but, and he's kind of like uh, becoming a celebrity in his own right, hanging with Beaver, going to the UFC fights. Like, I get all that, but Oops. there are other guys that you could be promoting in this spot that probably deserve it. Maybe they don't want it. Maybe they don't care, but... I just, what's the point of having this young guy for tw- three, twice in three years? It makes no sense to me. Like, how about Ooh. Kucherov? Kucherov, Kucherov. Pasternak, um, McKinnon, uh, gosh, Vasilevsky could be on it. I mean, I don't know. Not that they're like, I don't know. I just, there's way more options. Crosby's never been on it. Dreisaitl. Like, come on. How, how are we going back to Austin Matthews already? I don't know. There really isn't that many marketable players in the NHL when you really dig into it. Like, do you want to put a young kid that only hockey fans know? 
you know, do you want to put a Kale McCarr on there or a good young Fox from the Rangers who really only NHL fans can relate to? Or do you want to put a guy who hangs out in, in the culture? Like, like you said, he's friends with Justin Bieber. He's in the tabloids a little bit. He has a mustache sometimes, which is cool. Or do you want to put a guy on like Sidney Crosby who's very vanilla, you know, not very exciting? I don't know. You want to make it sexy and cool. I, I don't like it because he just was on it two years ago. But if, if you want to do something cool and controversial, throw Tom Wilson on there. <laughs> Mix it up a little bit. Throw someone on there who just is going to maybe stir that. Get a Brad Marchand on there. Why not? Oh, he'd be great. He'd that would be, be a great. good one. He would be a That'd good be one. A very, but I, I don't know. It's a very boring pick from NHL sports. I don't It's just, it's a good, Flo, yeah, we get it. Good for Flo him. Giroux has been on it. Steven Stamkos has been on it. Those guys aren't like exciting, you know? It's, or, yeah. It is what it is. Hockey players aren't that exciting. I don't know. Put me on it. I'd be great. Give me some money. I'm poor. But I don't know. That's interesting. You see uh, Charo's going to sign with the Blues? I hope not. Why not? I hope not. I don't know. I hope he does sign. I just I don't like the Blues. And I bet Tory Creek's probably got him on speed dial right now trying to bring him in. Is that a good move or St. Louis or a bad move? It's a good move. He's still got game left. And he can still – if he's a – a fifth, sixth guy, penalty killer. Yeah, he's not. He's still. He's still a good player. It's he's crazy to garbage, say, but he, he is. It, it's tough. And listen, me saying he's garbage is obviously aggressive. He's not a top six defenseman on a on a championship team at this point in his career. Well, good news for the Blues is they're not a championship team, or so. even a team that wants to contend. You're telling me he's going to supplant? They got Justin Falk, Tori Crew, Colton Perenko, Martin Scandella, Robert Bortuzzo. He's going to go in and take ice time from a young kid who they're trying to develop. What's the point in that? Giving Zidane Ochara 10 to 12 minutes just so he maybe is okay on the penalty kill? Like, I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. It's not. I don't, I don't understand the move. I bet you Tori Krug is kind of pulling some strings there, but it's a bad move. And as much as I don't like Robert Bortuzzo, he's better than Char at this point in his career. Char's too old. You know, there comes a point when you have to just, you know, I'm, I'm too old. You, you had a fantastic run, Zidano, just right off in the sunset. You, you did good. This, there comes a point in a guy's career where it's like, just give it up. Like, stop trying to hang on. And like, yeah, I still want to play. I, I, I still got it. No, you don't. Just give it up. Like, you, you don't got it anymore. No, that's my two cents. I'm an old fuddy-duddy, though. I'm younger than Chara. You certainly are. Anyways, that was a good episode, Tim. Let's, let's call it a wrap. I'm head on vacation next week. I'll try to... Try to eke in a couple episodes, but I'm heading up to Northport with the family where the water's a little cleaner, the air is a little more crisp, and I don't have to see anybody or talk to anybody. It's going to be beautiful. I'm so excited. What are you, what are you up to this weekend? Oh, God. Uh, no plans. Nothing planned. Just mm. relax and hang out Sounds on the boat. Exciting. And, yeah. The boat? Yeah, my, my best buddy here has a boat. So we've been going out, going out on that. Yeah, yeah. I know Brennan. He you seems very come out with rich. Us? No, never ever. <laughs> we'll play cards and drink some beers. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to Northport. Did you not just hear me? You don't listen to what I say. That's okay. I'm over it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed. We will be back next week with exciting content, a couple new uh, interviews. It'll be good. Have a good weekend, everybody. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.